0: Hi everyone, and welcome to 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. The two golden age radio shows, Escape and Suspense, were radio's leading anthology series of high adventure and drama, with Escape airing on CBS Radio from July 7, 1947 to September 25, 1954, and Suspense continued to 1962. These two shows presented great American-made radio drama, which became the foundation for TV. Radio, as you know, is purely acoustic, with no visual component, and it relied on great scriptwriters and actors to enable the listeners to imagine the characters and the story. It was high drama, great acting, and terrific stories. As one of the shows say, all designed free you from the four walls of today. Here we offer the very best of escape and suspense. We hope you enjoy this week's presentation. And if you do, send us a kind review for 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. And now, our two stories.
1: Autolite and its 96,000 dealers bring you Mr. John Hodiak in a story taken from life. Tonight's presentation of
2: Suspense.
3: Tonight, Autolite presents a dramatic report from the Roaring Twenties about a man whose way of life destroyed him. A factual document we call The Case History of a Gambler, starring Mr. John Hodiak.
1: Well, it's Oscar, the loquacious limousine. Why so down in the dumps, Oscar?
4: My battery went dry and I can't get started.
1: Well, you ought to have an Autolite Stay Full battery, the famous battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use.
4: Only
3: three times, Harlow?
1: Right, my querulous car. The Autolite Stay Full has over three times the liquid reserve of batteries without Stay Full features. And it gives longer life, too, as proved by tests conducted according to accepted life cycle standards. So, friends visit your nearest Autolite battery dealer. He's equipped to service all makes of batteries, and if a replacement is needed, he has an Autolite stay full. To quickly learn his location, just call Western Union by number...
5: And ask for me, operator 25. I'll gladly tell you the location of your nearest Autolite battery dealer.
1: And remember,
3: from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. And now, with the case history of a gambler and the performance of Mr. John Hodiak... Autolite hopes once again to keep you in suspense.
4: It's not easy to walk when you're weighted down with a bullet in your body. But keep walking... Six blocks away, less than half a mile, there's a hospital. Think. Think about something. Anything. Anything to get your mind off the pain. Think about the beginning. The beginning of this. When was it? A thousand years ago? A hundred? No. No, it's closer than that. Three years. Three years ago. In the kids' dressing room at the arena... It began with a fight. A prize fight.
5: Look, Matt. When you called me and asked for $10,000, I sent it over and didn't ask any questions. Then why start now? I think I got a right to know why you wanted the dough.
4: I'll tell you when the fight's over.
5: Fight? You mean you put my ten dollars on a fighter? Yes, Give me back my dough. Now, wait up. Give minute. it back. But you don't know I what don't it... want to know. I want my money. Relax for a couple of minutes, Frank. Don't get cute with me, angle boy. Tell me the score or give me $10,000 now.
4: You won't wait, huh? Now! You should know me better than to think I'm going to throw away your 10 grand. You thought I did. I've been booking bets long enough to know that you can't beat the fights. Well, then what? But I, I know you can beat one fight. How do you figure Because the boy I bet on is my fighter. I planned this match a year ago, and when I win, I'm through with prize fighting. There's got to be an angle. There is. I bought a fighter last year, a kid. So? I saw this boy in some amateur bouts, and I bought him and trained him and booked fights for him. What's he done since? Lost 12 fights, four by knockouts, three by TKOs, and five by unanimous decisions. And how do you know he can win tonight? Up to now, I've had him fighting pretty good, not the way he can. I've had him training at a little private camp up in the mountains, going five, six rounds with the best boys I could find. He's knocked them all out. That's all? You mean you
5: took my ten grand and put it on this this, this wonder boy just because he's been knocking out bums in training camps? (laughs) Oh, you're kidding me, Matt. You got the other boy to take a fall.
4: You think I'd stick my neck out and try to fix a fight? You would if you thought you could do it. Well, even if I could, there'd be too many people taking a cut of the pie. My pie. Better to take a piece than try for it all and get none. Not me, Frank. I'll roll for the bundle. When you loan me 10000 it made an even hundred grand I've spread all over the country. Why the big deal all of a sudden? I want money, real money. I'm tired of nickel and dime operations. What are you going to do if you win? When I win, I'm going to open up the biggest, safest gambling casino this side of the Mississippi.
2: Ah! We did it. Shut the door, Lou. Oh, but I... Shut the door! Okay, okay. What round? Knock out the fifth.
4: At 20 to 1.
2: That's right.
4: Two million bucks. Matt, you just won two million bucks. Get in touch with the boys, Lou. I want Al to pick up the dough in Frisco, Seattle, Los Angeles, and San Diego. Tell Willie to cover Phoenix, Tucson, Albuquerque, and El Paso. 63rd Street. Five blocks to go. Walk. Keep walking. And think. That was the beginning. What came after the beginning? The casino. The suburban gambling casino. My reward for fixing one fight. Then came the friends. Matthew Miller's giving money away. Get some of it. But be sure you give it back when you're through. And always the gratitude... Always the benediction. Much obliged, Matt. I was real short on operating capital. That's all right, Charlie. Glad I could help.
6: I'll see you on the fifteenth of next month to get my IOU back.
4: See that you do, Charlie. You know how I feel about Welshers.
6: Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, uh, good night, Matt. Thanks again.
4: Good night, Charlie.
2: Well, maybe you know what you're doing, Matt, but sometimes I think you're too loose with your dough. You mean Charlie? Oh, him for one and other guys I've seen you lend money to. What's wrong with lending now and then? Oh, nothing. Only any grifter or hood that runs out of money in this town knows they can get to you for a touch. (laughs) All right, bookkeeper. How much money have I lost since I started helping the less fortunate of my fraternity? Well, there was Richie Farlow from Detroit. He nicked you for 80 grand. Where's he now? And incidentally, where's anyone who ever welched on a loan or a gambling debt? So they're not around anymore. Cancels out, doesn't it? Just because a guy knows better than to try to welch on you is no excuse to be Mr. Soft Touch. Why not? It's not businesslike. I'm not in the lending business. Well, the amount of dough you got spread around, you might just as well be. Now, supposing Charlie goes out of here and gets knocked off, where's your dough then? It's a chance I have to take. You shouldn't have to take chances. Charlie's wife isn't taking a chance. If Charlie gets knocked off tonight, she's rich tomorrow. He's got enough insurance to Say that, that, you... that again about Charlie's wife. Why? What did I say?
4: What happens if Charlie gets knocked off tonight? Right. I said she'd be rich tomorrow. Why? That's what I thought you said. Hey, Matt, well, what are you going to do? Lou, call my lawyer.
2: Yeah, well, what are you going to do?
4: I'm about to become an actuary. A what? An actuary. According to Webster, one who is skilled in life assurance. Oh, Matt, you're out of your mind. You'll never get away with it. The state would be on your neck so fast, the stock issue would never clear the broker's office. Sit down, Counselor. Uh, you're wearing the nap off my carpeting. Oh, all right. Uh, First of all, is it possible to form a dummy corporation for the purpose of floating a stock issue? Well, yes, it is. Answer with a yes or no. Don't embellish your sentences. Oh, sorry. To go on. Since the stock issue will be thrown open to the public, there'll be no necessity for me to control more than 25% of the issue, right? Right. And when I sell a policy to a client, the majority of the first premium will go to me as the selling agent.
3: That's right.
4: Now we come to the important point. Is it perfectly legal for me to be named a beneficiary of any policy I may issue? Well, in the Is event... Is it that... legal, yes or no? <sighs> yes, yes, it's legal. And why are you fighting me? What can the state possibly do to me? Now, since that question can't be answered by a yes or no, have I your permission to elaborate? <laughs> sure, go ahead. All right. Now, what guarantee have you that these men to whom you lend money will continue to pay the premiums after they have repaid the loan? Why none? Of course. I don't care if they keep up the policy or not. All I'm interested in is protection for myself. And with that protection, if I can make an extra dollar by issuing the policy, I don't see how that can be construed as fraud or any other illegal practice. Do You know what happens to the company in the long run? Frankly, I don't care. By that time, I expect to have gotten what I wanted out of it. The stockholders would cause you trouble if they got together. If, Chris. People don't help each other. They're too busy helping themselves. Yeah, like you. Maybe. The difference is most of them don't know what they want. Do you, Matt? Of course I do. That's why I don't need any help. I'm just going to do it all by myself. Any more questions? Oh, no, I suppose not. Then how about a drink? I can use one. Lou?
5: Yeah, coming right up.
4: Don't pout, Chris. Losing this decision to me won't hurt your reputation. It's not me I'm thinking about, it's you. Me? Me?
3: You're reaching.
4: One of these days, you'll reach out too far, and it'll be a long, long fall to the bottom. It'll break every bone in your body. Dramatic, but unnecessary. No matter what happens, people will gamble. And the only safe place in the state is right here. This casino is my bumper. And it can cushion any fall I may take.
2: Here they are. Help yourself.
4: Well, Chris, let's drink to our new venture. Uh, a toast, if I may. You may. To Matt. May the long fall never
2: come. Amen.
4: 64th Street, four blocks from the hospital. Why am I trying? Why do I want to live? There must be a reason. A reason. Ellen. I want to live for Ellen. I want to kiss her and be kissed. I want to give her all the things I promised her. So I'll keep walking. I'll keep walking.
3: Walking. Walking.
7: You look tired, Matt. Anything wrong?
4: No, no, I'm just trying to get Chris back in line. Sometimes I wonder if he's really on my side. You don't mean that, do you? He's a fine lawyer, Ellen. I have to admit he's gotten me out of a couple of tight spots, but I wonder sometimes if he's interested in me or the retainer I pay him.
7: Matt, what's wrong? Chris is your friend. You don't think about friends that way.
4: I know, but tonight was different. Tonight I felt that Chris wasn't on my side, that... Forget it. I'm here with you, and that's all I care about right now. Matt. Hmm? When
7: are you going to quit?
4: Quit? Quit what?
7: All this figuring and scheming and gambling. (sighs) What do you know?
4: No, I don't know. Tell me.
7: Oh, Matt, you've got enough money to have a safe, wonderful life away from here. Away from all the hoodlums and sharpies and thieves and murderers. Why don't we just pack up and go? I'm so afraid. I love you too much to worry about you from day to day. You know, you can't live the kind of life you're living without making enemies. One of these days, somebody's going to hate you enough to. Oh, Matt.
4: Don't you understand that it's because of you that I don't quit? Because of me? Yes. I promised myself I'd give you the city for a wedding present, and I'm not going to Welsh on a promise.
7: But I don't want the city. I want you. I want to forget that there are fighters and cards and dice and roulette and all the other things you can't depend on.
4: But I can depend on them. I can depend on them because I know the weaknesses of people. Mass man is the biggest sucker in the world, and the only way to punish him for it is to take his money, and that's what I'm doing.
7: But for how long?
4: Come with me, and I'll show you. What do you see? The city. That's right the city. I'm going to take sucker's money until I have enough to buy it.
3: Autolite is bringing you Mr. John Hodiak in The Case History of a Gambler. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills... Sal spend
4: Friends, now my starts are quick and sure. I get going right
3: with my stayful battery made by Autolite.
1: Well said, my orating auto Starting is a real fast pleasure with an Autolite Stay Full, the power-packed battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. And what's more, the Autolite Stay Full gives longer life, as proved by tests conducted according to accepted life cycle standards.
3: So visit your nearest Autolite battery dealer soon.
1: To quickly learn his location, call Western Union by number...
3: And
5: ask for me, Operator 25. I'll gladly tell you the location of your nearest Autolite battery dealer, who services all makes of batteries.
1: And in case you need a new battery to give your car dependable starts in this cold weather, he has an Autolite Stay Full battery, the battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. Remember, from
3: bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. John Hodiak in Elliot Lewis's production of The Case History of a Gambler, A story of the Roaring Twenties. Well calculated to keep you in... Suspense.
4: 65th Street. How long can it take a man to walk six blocks? How heavy can an ounce of lead be? two more blocks to the hospital and when I get there what then is all this worth a gamble a gamble Matthew Miller the gambler the man who lived for the gamble the good loser the gracious winner the man who hated a welsher a good gambler a gambler I think I'll stretch my legs for a second. What do you know? It's daylight again. Must be Monday. We'll send out for some more food. Not for me. How about you guys? I've had it. Yeah. Two days of poker is just about my limit. Well, let's make this the last hand, huh? Right for me. Okay. 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 Andy up. Yeah. Jacks are better to open. Any limit on this last hand, Matt? No, why? You've been hit pretty hard this session. Afraid of your money?
2: I know you better than that.
4: We think the same about bad losers, don't we, Matt? So I've noticed. Open for 5000
3: Huh? As my mother would say, a stranger from every village. I'm up.
4: Matt? Five and up ten. Me? I'm up. Call you, Matt. Cards? Two. Never keep a kicker. I'll take one. Check. And up twenty-five. Call. King's full. No kicker. I guess my flush isn't good enough. Guess not. What's the damage? Including the sixty-six thousand on this hand, it comes to four hundred and eighty three thousand. That's a little more than you lost to me last month, isn't it?
8: Uh-huh.
4: I'll have Lou drop the dough off tomorrow, okay? Uh, fine. How do you want it, check or cash? Cash. Checks don't feel like money. All right, I'll send Lou over with cash. It'll be on your desk at exactly noon tomorrow. In bills of small denomination. I like the bulge it makes in my tailored suit. Huh? Anybody else know about this game? No. Of course not. I not think so. Chris, Lou, what are you... Matt, we're in... Oh, I didn't know you had company. Just a friendly little game. I think you know most of the boys. Oh, uh, yeah, Matt, man.
2: Matt, we gotta talk private. What's the matter? Get rid of the boys so we can talk. Sure.
4: Sure, we just finished anyway. So long, fellas. Thanks for the game. So long, Matt.
8: Remember, small bills. Good see you, Matt. Yeah,
4: see you. Okay, what's on your mind? The casino was raided Saturday night. Saturday? This is Monday. Where have you guys been? I got picked up when the joint was raided. And I was out of town for the weekend. I got Lou out on a habeas corpus as soon as I returned this morning. How did the cops find out about the location? What happened to the alarm system? The grapevine has it that somebody in the organization tipped off the police. There's more than one man in this town that doesn't like you, Matt.
2: What about the books? The cops got them, too. They were in the joint so fast I didn't have a chance to dump them.
4: Well, I guess they got me nailed. Okay, I'm getting out. Chris, dump my insurance stock on the market. I can get enough out of No, Matt. What do you mean, no? I'm telling you to get rid of my stock. Matt, there is no insurance company. Are you crazy? The company is in receivership, and the state is conducting an investigation. But how? Why? Well, one of the stockholders thought enough of his investment to go around gathering up enough proxies to vote you out of control and to have the books checked. So what? So this. Every dime in the company is frozen, and I doubt that you'll ever get to see any of it again. What about the courts? Well, intent to defraud is pretty tough to prove in a court. I think I can beat the rap on that count. But that's all I can promise you. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. But... If you say I told you so, I'll kill you right now. No, Matt, no. That's not what I was going to say at all. I'm your friend. Even though I haven't very much to give, I'd I be don't glad... want your money, Chris. I don't need it. You see, I half expected this to happen, I guess. So I planned for it. I have a key ring in my office. On this key ring, I have ten keys, and these keys open ten safety deposit boxes with about a hundred grand in... Lou? What are you looking at me like that for? Come on, speak up. Well,
2: Matt, I... Well, yeah, they they got the key ring, too. <laughs>
4: Now, Chris, you once told me I'd reach out too far. Well, I did. It looks as if the fall broke every bone in my body. Hiya, Matt. Decided to come yourself instead of sending Lou, huh? Come on in. Lay the dough right here. This is a pretty big desk. I don't have the dough, Gus. Don't play games with me. I don't have any sense of humor when somebody owes me money. This isn't a game. I'm broke. How broke? I'm not going to be able to pay you what I owe you right now. You're going to have to wait a little while. What do you mean I'm going to have to wait? Just what I said. I haven't got the money right now. Better get it. Where? That's your problem.
8: All I know is you're half an hour overdue and I don't like to be kept waiting.
4: But I've got to have a little time.
8: All right. I'll give you until midnight
4: tonight. If I don't have it by then, I'll send one of my boys to see you. What are you trying to do, frighten me? No, just letting you know where I stand. Like you once told me, if you can't pay, don't play. Well, I'm telling you that now. You shouldn't play without dough to back you up. But this is different. I had the money when I started to play. And I won it off on you. I don't think you like to lose, Matt. Why, you two-bit pitch penny. Hold it. I don't like to see blood on my carpet. You're going to be sorry you pulled that gun on me. By the time I get through with you, you'll be back peddling punch boards for a nickel a crack. As
8: long as you don't forget you got till
4: midnight to pay me the four hundred and eighty-three grand. After that, you can start breaking me. But I got a hunch you're not going to do very much breaking in this town. You stepped on too many hands on your way up. And there are a lot of guys real eager to give you a push on the way down. Now get out of here. Tired, so tired. Sixty-sixth Street. One more block. I know I'm going to make it because of Ellen. Ellen would want me to. Ellen would help me. But she isn't here now, and I don't want to be alone. I won't be alone. Ellen will be there. She's always there. And I don't want to keep her waiting. I must hurry. Walk. 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 It's midnight.
7: Yes, I know. What are you going to do?
4: What is there to do? Wait for Gus, I suppose. I'm afraid I have to Welsh on another promise.
7: What promise?
4: The one I made to myself to give you the city.
7: Oh, mad darling, I don't care. I told you once before I didn't want anything but you, and now I oh Matt,
4: I wish there was some way of starting all over again.
7: Do you really mean that, Matt? Of course I do. Wait here here, what's this? I had them appraised today. They're worth almost a hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. With these, we can go to Mexico, South America, where they never even heard of you or Gus or any of the whole rotten mess in this town.
4: You mean you want me to run away? To class myself with all the cheap Welshers I hate? Do you know what you're asking?
7: Yes, I know what I'm asking. Matt, I love you. I want you alive with me. I've been afraid all this time, and I'm tired of being afraid. Oh, please, Matt, before it's too late.
4: Ellen. Where do we go? Mexico or South America?
7: South America, it's further.
4: South America it is. I'll go down and get your car. But then I... Might... Don't worry. I'll be safe. Nobody knows where I am. I want you to wait here for about eight minutes. Then leave and meet me in the garage. Oh, my... Then we're off for the West Coast and South America.
7: Oh, Matt, I'm so happy.
4: Yes. I think I'm going to like South America.
2: the Welshers.
4: 68th Street. Hospital. I've made it. It's cold now. So cold. A few more steps. Got to hurry. Ellen has been waiting so long for me. I don't want to keep her waiting. When I get there, she'll take me in her arms. And I'll feel the strength of her love. Chris will be there, too. And Lou. I want to tell him... that I didn't break every bone in my body. Nurse... Yes my, my name is Matthew Miller. And I guess didn't make it after all.
3: Suspense Presented by Autolite Tonight's star, Mr. John Hodiak And here once again is our personable
1: young star, John Hodiak Thanks, Harlow John, it's always a treat having you on suspense And tonight
4: was no exception We all enjoyed your performance as Matt very much That's very nice, Harlow And if I may, I'd like to urge everybody in our audience To be sure and hear next week's unusual show The Night Before Christmas A great suspense story starring Miss Greer Garson That's my good advice for tonight
1: And I'll join you, John, with good advice for motorists everywhere. I know, Harlow. You're always right with (laughs) Autolite. Correct. You're always right because Autolite is the world's largest independent manufacturer of automotive electrical equipment. Autolite makes over 400 products for cars, trucks, tractors, planes, and boats. These include Autolite batteries such as the famous Autolite Stay Full, electrical systems used as original factory equipment on many leading makes of cars a complete line of ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs, both standard and resistor types. All are backed by constant Autolite research and are precision-built to highest standards of quality and performance. No wonder, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite.
3: Next week on Suspense... Our star will be Miss Greer Garson in a special Christmas program, the unusual dramatization of "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." In weeks to come, we shall also present Mr. Herbert Marshall, Mr. Jeff Chandler, and the First Lady of Suspense, Miss Agnes Moorhead. All on... Suspense! Suspense is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis with music composed by Lucian Morwick from a New York theme by Fred Steiner and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The Case History of a Gambler was written for suspense by Ross Murray. Featured in tonight's cast was Lillian Baeff, Bill Boucher, Joseph Kearns, Lou Merrill, Herb Vigran, Martha Wentward, Charles Calvert, and Clayton Post. John Hodiak can be seen in the soon-to-be-released The Sellout. And remember, next week on Suspense, Miss Greer Garson in a special Christmas broadcast, T'was the Night Before Christmas.
5: For the location of your nearest Autolite battery or spark plug dealer, or your nearest authorized Autolite service station, phone Western Union by number and ask for Operator 25. Switch to Autolite. Good night.
1: This is the CBS Radio Network. Autolite and its 96,000 dealers bring you Mr. Herbert Marshall in tonight's presentation of
3: Suspense. Tonight, Autolite presents an adaptation of Jeffrey Household's terrifying novel, Rogue Male, starring Mr. Herbert Marshall.
1: Yes, Hap. What was that all about? Why, well, I was just demonstrating the Autolite electrical system, Hap. You were? Sure. It goes to work every time you start your car, <coughs> sound the horn, play the radio, or turn on your lights or heater. The electrical system does all that? Sure, Hap. The Autolite coil, distributor, generator, and all the other units and thousands of component parts. They're all related by Autolite engineering design and manufacturing skills and used as original factory equipment on many leading makes of our finest cars. A real team operation, eh, Harlow? You said it, Hap, for the smoothest car performance money can buy. So, friends, when your Autolite-equipped car needs replacement parts, insist on Autolite, original factory parts. Be sure, because from bumper to taillight, you're always
3: right with Autolite. And now, with Rogue Mail and the transcribed performance of Mr. Herbert Marshall... Autolite hopes once again
8: to keep you in suspense.
6: I had him in my sights. The biggest game on earth. There was no mistaking him with his chaplain mustache and his mincing strut. I'd spent a day checking all points commanding the terrace, and I'd timed the guards on their beats. Then I'd chosen my spot on a grassy slope at the edge of a cliff. I estimated the range at 550 yards. When the great man appeared, I got the three pointers of my sights ready on the V of his waistcoat. He was facing me, winding up his watch. He would never have known what shattered him, that is, if I'd meant to fire. Just then, I felt a slight breeze on my cheek. I'd have to allow for wind. Stop! Stop!
1: Careful!
6: That's a hair-trigger adjustment.
1: Dirty dog!
6: You don't Uh, understand. It was only a sporting stalk.
1: Assassin! you
5: dirty
2: dog! Killer! Who fired? All All morning, I felt his eyes watching me. I felt strange. So I turned back seven minutes early when I reached the purchase. He was going, going to, to kill our Fuhrer. you uh. Who helped you?
6: Nobody. I was alone.
2: Were you acting for your government?
6: Of course not. We are at peace. So far, yes. I'm a sportsman, a big game hunter. With what we call a sporting stalk. You expect us to believe that? Believe what you wish, it's true.
2: Uh. Corporal, take him inside. We'll break him. There are ways. <laughs>
8: Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Is he conscious? More or less, sir. Prop him up. Put him in that chair. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, quite well. Now, we've checked your story. Seems to be true. Incredible, but very English.
5: (laughs) Yes.
6: A sporting stork. You're English?
8: Half. (laughs) My lesser half. I can pass for English when I need to. Corporal, bring his things. Gun, binoculars, and papers. Yes, sir. I ought to banish myself a bit before I leave. (laughs) But you're not leaving. We can't release you. Your appearance, that left eye, and your hands. Oh, no, you'd certainly want to get even with us. How would you explain the state of your fingernails? I'm willing to call it even now. (laughs) Yes, I believe you really mean that. It's no wonder we admire you, English. No, we can't risk it, old man. Too much criticism abroad of our methods. I tell you, the story will die with me. It will indeed. This
6: very evening. If you're concerned about world opinion, my murder most certainly. Oh, but it won't
8: be murder. It will be an accident. A sporting accident.
6: They drove me north fifty miles, took me to the edge of a cliff, and put me over. All but my hands. That was cunning. Scrabbling at the rough rock would account for the state of my fingers when I was found. I did hang on, of course, until I had to drop. But they bungled the job. There was a terrifying instant of pain. Then I plopped into something soft. I'd crashed into a patch of swamp, small and deep. When I moved, I found I was wrapped in mud. It was dark and I was quite numb. I couldn't stand So I traveled on my belly, using my elbows for legs, leaving a track like a wounded crocodile. I had only one thought to hide myself. A mile, two miles. I came to a river and crawling into the shadows, I I made my trail look as if I had taken to the stream. Then I crawled back over my own track to a tree. I caught at a low branch. The muscles of my hands were still intact and went up the first ten feet in a single burst. I couldn't rest my legs on the lower branches without leaving a smear of blood. I pulled myself higher. When I reached the thick branches of the upper tree, I wedged myself in. Then I fainted. The sound of their search woke me. This afternoon, I peered down and saw the half-English Major, the two uniformed men and three dogs.
8: His trail goes into the river. He couldn't swim, his legs. You have to be sure. You, go downstream. I'll go up with the dog. We must find his body.
6: I stayed in the tree all night. Just before dawn, I came down. I could walk after a fashion, but I had to have different clothes, a razor, many things, though I might as well turn myself in. Then a tall, stooping man with a fishing rod came through the woods to the riverbank. I crept closer to study him. His face was melancholy, but there was courage in it. I had to take that one chance. Uh, Good morning. Any luck? If I know I... Who are you? Don't be afraid. I need help. Look, look at look, look my hands. Do you know how that was done? Yes. I mean, I've heard... Uh, no, I don't know anything. I have money, if you'll help me. And I don't want money. I'm English. It's better for you not to know my name or what I've done, but I need clothes, food, gloves to hide these hands, a razor to shave, things that can't be traced back. Wait, don't go. Where are you going? You need something to hide that eye, too. Ah, a patch, I think... Yes, an eye patch would be best. I'll put
8: the things under that tree.
6: He was back in an hour, but I waited till dark to pick up the bundle. I changed, shaved, adjusted the eye patch, and studied myself in the mirror. It was a fair disguise. That same night, I stole a punt and pushed off downriver. It took me a week to reach the sea. There was a large harbor there, and walking along the wharves, I saw several English ships. From two English sailors I met in a bar, I learned that one freighter was sailing next morning for London. Her first mate was named Mr. Vayner.
8: Yes, who is it? Mr. Vayner. Who the...
6: Oh, the police didn't catch you. Didn't you know? They've searched every ship in the harbor. Found that punch you abandoned. How did they trace it to me? They had reports of a man wearing a black eye patch seen on the river.
3: That's how I know who you are. Can you help me? I could hide you in the storeroom. No, no, too risky. No place in the hold. I've got it. Come on. Anyone
6: see you come aboard? I don't think so. Everybody's ashore except me and the cook. There's time to hide you. It's all clear come on run keep your head down police might come back spot you from the wharf what's this manhole cover for empty fresh water tank uh. there hop in fast i'll bring you food and blankets would you like some whiskey very much thanks and mr vayner when we dock in the thames will you keep a sharp lookout See if the ship's watched. You'll be safe in England, sir. Maybe, but I'm going to look before I leave.
2: We're docked. You're right, sir. There's a funny-looking chap watching the gates.
6: Could I row ashore? I have the dinghy ready under the starboard quarter. Fine. I'll leave it at the Hurlingham East Wall so you can pick it up. Have you friends, sir, who'll hide you? I can't let them be involved. I'll see my lawyer first thing in the morning, then I'll disappear.
2: Oh, Oh, come in quickly. You're taking a frightful risk coming here.
6: I know, Saul, but I have to.
2: There's no telling who saw you come into the building.
6: I noticed a man in a black hat feeding the birds in the courtyard.
2: Oh, yes, he's been there all week. And I just glimpsed a certain major. You mean you know him? When he called on me and asked all those pointed questions about you, I, I thought he was lying. He said he was a friend and a neighbor. Called himself Major Keeve Smith.
6: He's no friend, Saul. He's a half-English major in the German army.
2: How are you tangled up with the Germans? Why, their ambassador's been asking about you, too. I can't
6: tell you, Saul. I'm in a mess. I can't go to the police or involve the government in any way. I have to disappear, and I need 5,000 pounds in cash.
2: Hmm. And I'll send Sims out to cash a check. But uh, they'll follow you when you leave, Black Hat and the Major. They'll try, but I'll shake them somehow.
6: When I started for the Holborn Underground Station, the man in the Black Hat was close behind me. Then I saw, before I dived into the station, that he'd stopped at the newsstand. That puzzled me, until I looked further back and spotted the Major moving toward me fast through the crowd. Our eyes met and clashed in recognition, and suddenly I saw their plan. Black Hat would stay behind to guard the exit. The Major would keep on my heels. I ran to the escalator and went down to the third level, and I raced across the platform to a southbound train. I jumped aboard and worked my way forward, peering out. The Major was delayed on the jammed platform, but he fairly hurled himself through the same door I'd entered, while I stepped off the train through another door. The door slid shut. The train hauled the Major off toward Piccadilly. I started back toward the escalator, then stopped in panic. Black Hat was there on the platform, been there all along, not at the newsstand. I plunged into that trap like a frightened rabbit. Black Hat and I were alone. He moved toward me, his hand poised over a pocket, I was sure held a gun. I jumped off the platform and ran, keeping well away from the third rail. His footsteps pounded behind me. The tunnel curved into blackness. Just beyond the curve, I flattened myself against the tunnel
0: wall.
8: You might as well come out. The Major wants to talk to you. Just come along. Talk.
6: You need a gun in your hand to talk.
3: <laughs> Autolite is bringing you Mr. Herbert Marshall in Rogue Mail. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, South Spend.
1: Well, Hap, how's the team? You mean our basketball team, Harlow? Oh, no, I mean the Autolite team in your Autolite-equipped car. That team of Autolite electrical system units, including the coil, distributor, generator, starting motor and all their thousands of component parts. Why, they're all related by Autolite engineering design and manufacturing skill to give your car the smoothest performance money can buy. The Autolite electrical system does a big job, eh, Harlow? You said it, Hap, and it's vitally important to the smooth and efficient operation of your Autolite-equipped car.
5: Then I'm off to treat my car to a periodic checkup at my nearest authorized Autolite service station, Harlow. Right, Hap,
1: and friends, it will pay you to do the same visit your car dealers or nearest authorized Autolite service station. You'll find the authorized Autolite service station nearest you listed in the classified section of your telephone directory. Or call Western Union by number and ask for Operator 25. And remember, from bumper to
3: taillight, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. Herbert Marshall... In Elliot Lewis's production of Rogue Mail, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense.
6: I can still hear his scream when he fell on the third rail, it echoed along the tunnel. A queer place for a soul to find itself adrift. I had to leave London, hide somewhere in the country. At a series of shops, I bought camping equipment, a primer stove, pans, a sleeping bag, a heavy slingshot, and a hunting knife. I couldn't buy a gun without having it registered. Finally, I bought a bicycle, and by evening, I was pedaling southwest toward Dorset, looking, I hope, like a carefree man on a rambling holiday. I picked my hiding place above Marshwood Vale between two lonely farms. It's not on any map. Choked with deadwood, blocked at both ends by tangled thorn. Nobody would ever find it except a curious child, which is why I knew of it. For in love, one becomes a child again. That bit of road had been our discovery, hers and mine, during the brief two weeks which were to begin our life together two weeks which were instead our last, our only time. The next days, I slept and watched. Nights, I worked. I tunneled back ten feet into the soft stand to the bank, hollowing out a low room and a hearth. My chimney went straight up into a blackberry bush. Over the entrance, I fitted a heavy door, camouflaged with sandstone dust, and dead twigs and vines. If anyone should blunder into that piece of road, he'd see no sign of my hiding place. I would be warm, dry, reasonably well fed, troubled only by my memories and my loneliness. Then one morning, down my chimney, came a thin, black, powerful cat, who seemed to think me the trespasser. Hello there. Here, here. Share a biscuit. Mm-hmm. Not with a civil old man. Would you rather have some bully beef? Yeah. here, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I bet that's the first cooked meat you've eaten. What do you live on mostly? Mice, pheasants? Look at your ribs. You haven't had good hunting of late. Ha ha! The bully beef brings out your better nature. Maybe you'll let me scratch your ear. Huh? Why, <coughs> you're a veritable Asmodeus. Asmodeus. Demon of hatred and malignity. Now, oh, easy, I'm not going to hurt you. That's right. I won't tell anyone. Stick around and keep me from being lonely. I won't tell a soul that old Asmodeus is a sentimental fool. Mm. But in the end, my loneliness seemed more acute. In the long nights on that silent hillside, I was haunted by a memory of her violet eyes, by a futile wish that I'd followed my premonition, forced her to stay with me in England. Strange, when I first heard that she was dead, I'd suffered very little. But at night, in that cave, remembering, I felt such pain. The next afternoon, lying hidden in the top of an oak tree, I saw a car drive into the yard of the farm to the east. A man climbed out, carrying a gun case and bag. The car drove away and the man went into the farmhouse. I stayed in the tree and in the evening saw the farmer and his visitor emerge with guns under their arms, probably going out to hunt wood pigeons. After a while, they came out from a thicket to my left. Farmer's visitor was Major Keeve Smith.
8: Don't be having much luck for your first evening shooting, sir. Well, that's all right. I have two weeks' holiday. Uh, what's behind that growth of hawthorn over there? Oh, nothing.
1: But dead wood and more hawthorn.
8: Ah, I ought to find pigeons nesting in there.
1: Not likely. Because of the cat. What cat? Oh, perishing black cat. Can't shoot him, can't tame
8: him, neither. But, there. There he goes, no, that black devil. Where? Oh yes, into the head. He's very fat for a stray, isn't
6: he? I was underground nine days watching daylight and starlight through my chimney. Then Asmodeus disappeared. And that night I heard noises. There were two men. They were moving something heavy. Then I heard a thud against the door, and I knew with terror that my door was barred. I was trapped underground.
8: Can you hear me? Yes. Wonder how I found you? It was a cat. I was sure that somebody was feeding him. How sentimental you English are about animals.
6: Can't you give me a cleaner death than this?
8: My dear fellow, I don't want you to die at all. Put your signature on a document I have here, and I'll release you immediately.
6: A document? Which says what? Well,
8: I'll read you the most important sentence. On April the 5th, I attempted to assassinate the leader of the German people... and did so with the knowledge of the British government. See, it's a very simple, straightforward statement.
6: It's a pack of lies.
8: Oh, come now, no heroics. Truth is relative. You think about it overnight, old fellow. I'll be back at seven in the morning.
6: Huh? Oh? Who do you have on night duty?
8: A <laughs> paid hand. Swiss fellow. You must have realized it took two of us to lift the log of firing your door. But by the way, why did you try to assassinate our leader?
6: I told you. I wanted to see if it was possible. And then I didn't think his death would be any loss.
8: Ah, then you did mean to shoot. I'm glad you finally admit it.
6: Why, yes. I did mean to shoot. I've given myself away not to him to myself it had not been a game I had rarely meant to kill the head of a state I must have been mad and indeed I was driven mad by rage and grief so great I didn't let myself know what I was thinking I am a man who was loved only once and didn't know it until she was dead they killed her he that leader killed her She was so swift, so sensitive, so generous a spirit... she made the cause of all oppressed, unhappy people her own. And so they caught her and killed her... for reasons of state. And so I had declared war on them. One man at war with a nation. And I would have destroyed their leader... if the wind hadn't shifted. I slipped and was awakened by the sound of a shot... And then something was stuffed down my chimney, shutting off my only source of fresh air. Hours passed. The air grew foul and I banged on the door. Keith Smith paid no attention. Finally, I reached up the chimney to see what he'd stuffed in. And pulled poor Asmodeus down into my cave. He'd been shot at close quarters. I was choking with sorrow and rage.
8: (laughs) It wasn't an easy shot, old man very difficult and sporty that's a
6: lie he trusted you because he learned to trust me
8: oh well perhaps you're right the anglo-saxon love of animals is a weakness i'm happy to be without
6: and so with the death of Asmodius, the major condemned himself to death all my plans were directed to that end i had no gun No access to my victim except through the chimney hole. No weapon but the slingshot. There was only one way to kill him to shoot a lethal missile through that opening. After some hours, I hit on an iron spit as my weapon to be fired by the slingshot. Then I set about luring the major to the hole.
8: Ah? Want to talk? Yes, I've been
6: thinking. You'd only use that document in case of a war, is that right? Exactly. So it doesn't matter if I sign it or not, since there isn't going to be a war.
8: You're perfectly right. The mere formality.
6: Then hand it down. And give me a pen and a flashlight.
8: Right away. I'm glad you decided to be sensible. You're a cut above the average Englishman. There it is. Got it? Yes. Uh, here's the pen. Uh, where are you? I can't see... It.
6: <laughs> there was a look of surprise in his eyes. But he was already dead. The iron spit took him square about the nose. Then he toppled backward. Immediately, I had to weigh at my end of the chimney until it was large enough to receive my body. Then I burst out into the blackberry bush. The major was lying on his back with the spit projecting through the back of his skull. I searched him, took his revolver, burned that scandalous document he'd meant me to sign, and sat down to wait. It was dark when I heard the Swiss agent coming. When he was a few paces away, I flashed the light on him. (gasps) Put your hands up. Now walk over here slowly. What do you want? Your gun. Turn around.
2: (gasps) Oh, you... you killed the Major. Oh, please, sir, don't turn me in. They will hang me. They will hang me for treason. Now we are at war. At war? Oh, oh, yes, sir. It came over the wireless. Germany has marched into Poland. England has declared war.
6: And so my private war merged with the greater cause... And I had no need to worry further about the ethics of my revenge. They were the same as the ethics of war. True, it had not been as I had claimed a sporting stop. But you can't call me unsporting. After all, if I'd pulled the trigger, I would have achieved one of the two or three most difficult shots in the world.
3: Suspense! Presented by Autolite, tonight's star, Mr. Herbert Marshall. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for
1: Autolite, the world's largest independent manufacturer of automotive electrical equipment. Autolite is proud to serve the greatest names in the industry. That is why, during the early months of 1952, the Autolite family will join together in saluting the leading car manufacturers who install Autolite products has original equipment right on their assembly line. The Autolite family is made up of the nearly 30,000 men and women in 28 great Autolite plants from coast to coast, as well as more than 18,000 Autolite stockholders, 97,000 Autolite distributors and dealers in the United States, and thousands more in Canada and throughout the world. The Autolite family will salute the Packard Motor Car Company in the next Autolite suspense television program. So if you live in a television area, check the day and time of Suspense on television so that you won't miss this program.
3: And remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. Next week on Suspense, our star will be Mr. Jeff Chandler in a story taken from life. A factual document concerning the San Francisco Tong Wars, which we call The Case Against Lou Dock. In weeks to come, we shall also present... Miss Agnes Moorhead, Mr. Charles Boyer... and Mr. J. Carroll Nash... all on... Suspense! Suspense is transcribed and directed by Elliot Lewis... with music composed by Lucian Morowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Rogue Mail was adapted for Suspense... by Sylvia Richards from the novel by Jeffrey Household. In tonight's story, Ben Wright was heard as the Major... Featured in the cast were Larry Dobkin, Ramsey Hill, Harry Bartell, Peter Owen, Joseph Kearns, William Johnstone, and Earl Keene. Herbert Marshall may be heard each week on his own radio program, The Man Called
1: X. This is the CBS Radio Network.
0: Thank you for joining us at 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. This is your host, John Hagedorn. We try to alternate weeks with two episodes of Escape, one week, followed by two episodes of Suspense the following week. New episodes of 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense are available every Sunday at noon Eastern time. We always appreciate reviews. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.